0: what's up everyone welcome to episode 30 of the antler up podcast and on today's episode dimitri and i are joined by john mulligan and john is an individual who i consider a true professional in this hunting industry john runs wild arrow tv bourbon barrel game calls and johnny utah creative and in this episode john shares with us some awesome advice for how to run a successful business getting into the hunting industry filming photography and obviously some great whitetail stories Dimitri and I extremely enjoyed having John on and it was a great pleasure to have him on. So John, thank you again uh, for that opportunity and hope to do that one again here soon. A big thank you to all of you for your continued support and especially thank you to all of our amazing partners and be sure to check them out over over at our website at antlerupoutdoors.com and also I'll be contacting the winners of our Onyx giveaway from last week. So be on the lookout for that Instagram message coming soon. Speaking of Onyx, uh, it's the number one hunting app that allows you to know exactly where you stand, and it's been a big tool for Dimitri and I and Tim uh, as we get ready for our Utah trip next week. And I know that it's the uh, if it's not the number one hunting tool that you use other than your bow, then I don't know what you're using. So for just 30 bucks, you can get the most out of your hunts and know exactly where you stand. So go to onyxmaps.com and download that number one hunting app. And one week to go until we are heading out west to Utah for our mule deer hunt. And man, are we super excited. And a piece of gear that I'll be bringing with me is the First Light Nemo Field Pillow. Uh, this pillow weighs just three ounces and is super soft and comfortable. And I'll be sleeping in comfort with this thing in the backcountry. So amazing quality, amazing product, and some awesome people. Go check out these great items over at FirstLight.com. With this hunt and heading out uh, west and obviously with our whitetail season coming up dimitri and i will be using our sever 2.0 broadheads and new to this year is the brand new design that has a more swept back blade angle re-engineered deployment arm geometry and a two inch cutting diameter this results in a 15 uh, percent more efficient penetration than the original ti 20 2.1 Uh, and obviously the 2.1 ferals still will accept the new 2.0 replacement blades so head over to the website now at severbroadheads.com and grab some of the best broadheads that you will have in your quiver and also want to thank our partners over at America's Best Bow Strings Dimitri Mike and I all have a set of Platinum Series Strings on our bows and we couldn't be happier with obviously the custom color but more importantly the quality and durability uh, I know when we brought our, our bows into to our shops, they were so excited because it, it was such a dream to set up and tune perfectly. So if you're looking for a new set of strings, definitely check out what ABB has to offer at americasbestbowstrings.com. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show with John. And until next time, everyone, antler up. All right, so we are live with a very special guest on today's show. Uh, we have owner of bourbon barrel game calls arrow wild tv and johnny utah creative uh and if you haven't guessed already we have john mulligan on the line john thanks for coming on taking the time out and uh how you doing man
1: i'm doing good i'm good i was uh i was outside putting some decals on the the new wrap on the truck and i looked at my phone i'm um, in my watch and i was like oh oh i gotta go <laughs> that's why when i sent you the message i was like give me five minutes
0: <laughs> yeah no worries man that's awesome yep. well, dude it's an it's a Privilege to have you on and and have the chance to cover everything that I, I hope we could cover everything I want to dive into. Um, but yeah. before we do that, tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, where you're coming from, because uh, I you know I know personally just from you know talking to some friends that are mutual friends and everything like that, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit about your story. But you know, share with our listeners and uh, a little bit of who you are and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, so um, hailing from Kentucky, um, I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, Bourbon comes very natural to me. Um, I'm kind of can be sometimes snobby uh, because <laughs> of all of the distilleries that are you know that are in that central Kentucky area. But I, we didn't have whitetails growing up, and we we farmed. We had cattle. We had horses, and it wasn't until I became a police officer in Northern Kentucky that uh, one of the cops I worked with he said, you know, hey, let's let's be deer hunters, and um, I'm like, well. I don't know shit about it, but we can go to the library we can get some books and we'll read about it. So I was like 22 years old when I bought my first hunting license. Um, I had, you know, shot groundhogs on the farm and cause they were causing, you know, holes and ruts and stuff in our field with the cattle and stuff. But, um, I had never even seen a whitetail and, and in actuality, I didn't see my first whitetail on the hoof until I was 18 years old. That's crazy. Um, my dad didn't hunt, we fished, but like I said, we just central Kentucky at that time, you know, I'm 42 years old and, and at that time there wasn't any white tails. And so I was watching hunting shows when I was a kid on Saturday and Sunday mornings, (laughs) I remember watching the old TNN stuff and, and I was watching, you know, David Morris and watching bill dance and those guys. Um, but. When I got to Northern Kentucky, we started hunting. And like a lot of people in Kentucky, I mean, I was a rifle hunter, right? and I'd shot a couple of deer with a rifle. And um, we were getting ready for deer season one year, and and the store owner, he was a Matthews dealer, and he was a gun owner. And he said, um, he said, are you getting all fired up about deer season? And I'm like, dude, I'll be honest with you. Like, no disrespect to hunters, but it's kind of easy. It's really (laughs) not hard. And, uh, he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, look, I'm, I'm popping these deer at 400 yards away. You know, I had received some good training in the police world, you know, and, and I said, look, I I'm shooting these deer at four, 400 yards. And I just don't really see the skill in it, you know? And he said, you need a bow. And I'm like, well, I have a toddler at home. So what I need is money. I need (laughs) need to keep my money. And, uh, I like being married and I think my wife will probably divorce me if I go and drop a thousand dollars on a bow setup. And so he told me, he said, look, me being a Matthews dealer, Matthews allows me to give away one free bow a year because we sell so many. They were at that time, Matthews was very um, they did territories mm-hmm. and there couldn't be another dealership for like 250 mile, you know, radius. So, <clears throat> excuse me, being that he was the only cat in town, he sold a lot of bows. Right. And, um, so he gave me, gave me a free bow. Um, I believe it was an LX or an FX. It was one of the, one of the two. Um, but he gave me that bow for free. And then he hooked me up with like, you know, one of his old sites and he gave me some you know, hodgepodge of arrows that probably weren't even spined correctly or anything, but um different different lengths. <laughs> yeah. And uh who knows what broadheads I had on there. But uh I went out and I got busted immediately. Every time I went to draw my bow, I'm like, well, this is definitely tougher than hunting with a rifle. But uh when I shot I finally shot my first doe and then I shot a couple of bucks and, you know, things were kind of taking off from there. And and then I started buying more bows and more bows and um Started going to some hunting shows and I and I met um I met the late uh, Todd Prignitz and he was doing white knuckle productions at the time. Yes, sir. And um he had just launched the original folding handsaw of the wicked tree gear handsaw. And you know, my degrees in horticulture, not a lot of people know that. And I approached him and said, Man, that's a badass landscape saw. And he's like, Landscape? What are you talking about? We sell it to hunters, you know. But uh I ended up Becoming a dealer and then I was the national sales manager and then I became part owner of Wicked all inside of like 18 months. Wow. And during that same time, he had talked me into buying a video camera and start recording my hunts. This was in 2013. I had never filmed a hunt before. Um, but my first hunt with White Knuckle, I filmed myself shooting a 159 on the ground. Um on september 11th with my bow and um and he's like dude that's a 159 kentucky buck like you just did something and i'm like yeah yeah i mean we do this every year i've just never filmed it you know but um and i got the bug i got hooked man and and then so the next three years three years four years you know i was with white knuckle and then in 2016 i branched off and kind of wanted to go a different direction i started arrow tv and and then this past year is when i made the leap of faith and went completely fr- you know freelance into you know my sole source of income is is photography and arrow tv um with a little bit of uh, marketing consulting here and there but that's all kind of hey we'll pay you x amount to help launch this product cool I do my thing, I take my check, I go, you know, and yep. go on down the road. But yeah, the the lion's share of what I do now is just photography and and, and the hunting show.
0: That's awesome. And then I know you have the bourbon barrel game calls. I have the, the uh-huh. grunt tube. I have the, the turkey you have a custom uh turkey call actually. Now that it's just chilling right there, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, they look absolutely amazing, but they also sound amazing. You know, they're they're the the thing where it's like, do you want to scratch that thing up? Uh, you know, I I know too. You just you know doing a little shameless plug here, but I know you're just starting to come out with you could customize your grunt tube. You know i yep. saw that so yep. i'm you know yep. i with the one i have i might give that one to dimitri and <laughs> I'll order up an antler up one so that'll be uh both, yeah. you know do something like that for fall but you know talk a little bit even about that you know man like yeah. here, here's the thing that i love about about your situation Mm-hmm. Here's an individual where, you know, you, you had a successful career with the family doing the law enforcement. You, you followed yep. your bug of passion with hunting, man. And yep. then you, you go and start, you know, Arrow Wild TV, like you talked about, Johnny Utah Creative. And then now another one, a third thing uh, with Bourbon Barrel, like talk about how you are successful with, you know, just even not only one, but three different things uh, in the industry, just because, you know, you hear, I'm sure you get thousands of questions a day. I mean, heck, it's even something that we've talked about. It's just like, how do you even go about getting in the industry, let alone being successful?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So there's a couple of different things, you know, for me, I say it comes down to uh, the degree of, of a hand position when I met people initially in the industry, I didn't know anybody and it was, hello, I'm co-owner of wicked tree gear and I'm shaking their hand. And my hand is at a, what uh, 90 degree angle, you know, from the ground then years later. And, and Todd was always the face of white knuckle, right? I was the guy behind the scenes negotiating with the sponsors. How many photos do you need? How many commercials do you need? What's your new product? and how can we help you launch that new product via our show? I was also the sales marketing guy of Wicked Tree Gear. So I was dealing directly with the stores and the buyers. So I was getting to see what, does, what do the retailers want? What does what our YouTube channel for white knuckle, what do they want? And then what does our social media traffic need? Also I'm dealing with all the other different shows that we're sponsoring via wicked. So I'm seeing everybody's media kit that comes in. And the, I mean, you name a show I've seen their media kit. I know what their numbers are. Right. Right. So when I, and then once we sold wicked to tech Amani, and then for a little while I was assisting with the, the bus of tech Amani TV show with their marketing. So now I'm getting to see what the outdoor channel style, media kits look like and what kind of deliverables are needed. So when I circle the wagon and I go in now, it's Johnny Utah and it's arrow Wild TV photographer. And when I have my hand positioned like this, like pay up sucker, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of position, you know, they'd already seen my hand before and they already knew me for several years. So first impression, I wasn't hitting them up for money. I was meeting these people and, I mean, it's no different. Like you walk into a room of people you don't know, you're probably going to gravitate to the guy wearing camo versus the guy wearing a tuxedo. So I was one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was already in, I was an owner of a company. I, I had had to, I had to deal with POs. I had to deal with retail stores that were slow paying. You know what I mean? Yep. I had, I had to deal with the big name celebrities that weren't delivering the way they were supposed to in their contract that's a little dig at some of those guys. <laughs> um, so you know, that, that helped me all, along the way. Now right. a buddy of mine said, how did you get so good at marketing undercover narcotics? I walk into a house, I've got five seconds for that person to like me and want to sell me dope and not shoot me. Right. Identify with your consumer quickly. The faster that you know who your audience is, the better you are. Now it's a whole another skill set to take it on a mass level, right? Right. Um, and dealing with social media and, and that kind of stuff, but that's that's really what got me into into the marketing side. So when Bourbon Barrel calls came up, people were bugging me and they said, "Look, you sold Wicked. I know you're not going to sit on your hands very long. You're going to get into another product." And I'm like dude, I don't have the time. And they're like, Oh no, we know you don't have the time, but you're going to make the time. You just won't sleep to make the time. So last year I was traveling down to Kentucky chasing birds. And it's something I look forward to every year. I've got this old man, Johnny Parker that I go hunt with. And he, he would punch me if he heard me say old man, but he's like 73 years old. Um, and Parker was talking to me and every night the thing that we enjoy about turkey camp is we come back to the house and we drink bourbon one night we might drink basil the next night we're drinking you know um we might drink some uh knob creek and then the next night we might go in and it might just be buffalo trace you know just whatever um and i i was we were drinking we were drinking some some basil one night and i'm not saying we don't get drunk you right, know, right we just sip our bourbon and um, I said, you know, it'd be pretty neat to make a turkey call out of bourbon barrels. So I started doing a little bit of research and I found out that the lids were thick enough. And so I had a, I have a couple of buddies in the industry that I'll bounce ideas off of. I'm like, tell me if I'm crazy or not. Now, anybody that knows me, if I bounce an idea, I'm already doing it. Right. I just want to know if they think I'm crazy or not, I don't really give a shit. It's not going to (laughs) change my decision. I'm still going to do it anyways. And I bounced a couple of ideas off some buddies and they were like, dude, how long you been working on this? I'm like, uh, I've been driving about 45 minutes. So I've already got the whole marketing plan already lined out all in the last 45 minutes. I mean, the idea of doing the wax sealing the strikers, um, doing it like a shadow box style so I could personalize the inside and the name of the company, the logo, the wood packaging, and the twine and the smell of bourbon inside every box that was lined out in 45 minutes. That's unbelievable. And I knew that I wanted to go direct to consumer for the first year. Um, and cause nobody can market you better than you. I'm a firm believer in that mm-hmm. I was not willing to give up the percentage points in a retail store. On a new company i needed all the money i could so i took a whopping 338 dollars, and i launched bourbon barrel calls i sold the first 10 calls before they were made then i sold the next 50 calls before they were made um and then it exploded we ended up selling 517 calls in the first four months and then that started the grunt tube idea uh, it's too bad that this podcast is going to air Uh, several weeks away because I was going to give you guys the first official announcement. Um, Later this week, I'll actually be launching the, a double read, a single read duck call and a goose call.
0: Sweet man. Congrats. And I mean, it's
1: just building. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, in the back of my head, I knew that there was going to be one company that if I went retail that I wanted to go with and they called last month. So we are going retail into a large chain of retail outlets
0: nice man congratulations
1: 28 stores or 30 stores two all two level retail stores starts with the letter s nice
0: (laughs) congratulations man that's that's hard work and it's just falling and i'll tell you what man that's again it's just the idea right before we even started talking you know you just see within this industry just coins of uh like coining a topic or an, an idea and uh-huh. it's just it, it's just fats it's just fascinating to see and how things could just take off or things could just you look at it and be like, meh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And but um oh, yeah. you know, and it's just uh again, it's just, man, I, it's, it's impressive for it, to say the least. And again, you're successful in all three mm-hmm. facets and, uh, it's hard work. And I know just from running this podcast and keeping up with whether it be social media and like you say, commitments to other brands, yeah. like, you know, that's the one thing for us, it's been amazing. We're working with some great people, uh, yeah. and then that, that sell a great product. So, and that's the most important right. thing to me and, uh, and f- first and foremost. So. Man, it's just, it's just a great thing to see and, and hear you kind of explain that just because it's a passion and a drive that we have. Um, yeah. so, so, man, I, thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and the other thing that I like to point out is I launched the, the bourbon barrel calls. I launched it on uh, November 3rd of 2019. So right in the middle of the whitetail rut. Yeah, And everybody said, you're an absolute idiot to launch a turkey call <laughs> company in the middle of the right whitetail rut. I'm like, yeah. So I kind of played it off. Like I was just trying to prove a point. It's kind of like, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. If you're that good of a marketing person, one, I'm going to start a company in one of the most saturated categories in the outdoor space 2 I'm going to launch it in the middle of the whitetail rut. Now method to the madness was. My ad spend, Primos, Woodhaven, none of those guys are promoting their turkey calls in the Whitetail rut. So I knew that I wouldn't have any competition as far as digital marketing goes right. in my ad spends, my click spend. So that's the real reason why I launched it in the middle of the Whitetail rut. I needed to get as much traction as I could immediately. And I also knew that it's a it would be a very high Christmas gift purchase, right. something unique like that. The cool thing was, I knew what it sounded like. I had been running them all year. The cool thing for me was when guys like Adam Bender, and if anybody doesn't know Adam Bender, follow Adam Bender, the guy's a straight turkey killer out in Nebraska, and Adam got a call, and he actually got his call via Sam Soho. Sam Soho bought a call for Adam as just a thank you gift. Um, and, And Adam calls me and he goes, bro, I'm here to tell you. I've killed hundreds and hundreds of turkeys. This is the most versatile turkey call that I've ever owned in my entire life. He's like, you've got a home run, and Adam was also very instrumental in getting that connection uh, to get the calls into into shields. So, um, huge thank you to him. And it's just a huge compliment to me when I hear, you know, guys like, hey, I've, I mean, I've killed a pile of turkeys, right. but I haven't killed hundreds of turkeys. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I've killed maybe thirty or forty. Um, so that was pretty cool, but you know, it's not, it's not so much novelty for me. I'm just making the buying experience better, you know, by adding the bourbon and doing the wooden box and cleaning up the packaging, um, because those were all elements of bourbon to me and to even take it one more step further, bourbon was never designed to be shot Bourbon has always been there and created as the drink that you pour and you sip on it and you enjoy it slowly. Mm-hmm. And by enjoying it slowly, that makes it a ro- It's the most romantic beverage that's out there because you're slowly enjoying it with your friends and close. I mean, think about it. I don't want to spend a lot of time with people I don't like. So I spend my quality time with people I like, and that's what hunting is for me is it's enjoying the outdoors and enjoying it with the friends that you actually want to enjoy to <laughs> spend your time with. So, and to me, hunting is romantic. Forget all of the blood and gore, right? It is very, it's a real, ro- it's a very romantic lifestyle. So that's why I think the bourbon tie to it. Uh, that's what it means to me. And, and that's, that's the real reason of bourbon barrel calls. Um, being from Kentucky and, and all that kind of stuff it's just all a coincidence.
0: And Let's take a quick break to thank our partners over at Cobra Archery. It's new ownership, new innovation, new engineering, new commitment to excellence. They have the bowhunter in mind when they are designing all these new innovative products. Be sure to check out the new Cobra Archery at cobraarchery.com. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, I want you to talk about because you, everybody could anybody could start like a a YouTube channel and and start building that type of audience. But the one thing that I'm really fascinated with that you are amazing at is the photography. And I think now, you know, that's one of your main things and obviously Mm -hmm. now with bourbon barrel going up into shields, that's another big thing. But, you know, I, the opportunity that came by of that, I wish I would have been able to attend in Kentucky was your, your class that you offer um, for Mm -hmm. photography. But you know, how do you go from being law enforcement to boom jumping into you know the creative aspect side of things to to photography because i that, yeah. that's something like even for myself you know i'm by no means i have no idea what i'm doing and lately i, I you know i'm quote unquote taking better pictures i got that a6400 i'm just trying yeah. to just trying to do natural flow yeah. things and uh man like i got kind of the people are going to probably make fun of me on this one, but the other day I I was cool when you posted something uh, on your story how you're like, dude, stop forcing stuff, you know, like for photographers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> those that look like I'm am I'm forcing stuff, but it, you know, <laughs> I was like, um, but no, man, and that's something where like how like talk about that jump because that's a big different you know lifestyle.
1: It very much. So, um, again, you know, when I, when I get into something, I'm very impulsive. And, um, I mean, I have a tattoo on the backside of my arm. It's an old school bomb. And because bombs away, you know what I mean? Like that's a motto for me. Um, I have a lot of mottos for life and a lot of analogies and stuff, you know, work more hours bombs away. But when I, when I got into hunting and, and was exploring the social media side, The one thing I noticed is that on social media pages, the ones that were posting every day, were getting more traction. So I thought, man, it's gonna take a lot of photos to drive companies' social media pages. And I didn't know anybody taking photos. I knew a lot of guys, that was the boom of web shows. You know, 2013, that's when everybody and their brother was starting their own, you know, hook them outdoors and you know, whatever. So. I thought the way that I can be different is I want to, I want to try photography. So I had never owned a camera before in my life. I went to Best Buy, very foolish and said, give me the best thing you got. (laughs) And my wife almost killed me when I came home $4,000 in debt, you know, on a Best Buy credit card. But um, it just so happened that a month later, Sitka, uh, Sitka Gear called and said, Hey, we're putting together this ambassador team. And what we need from you is photos. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm, I guess I better figure this out. Yeah. So, um, I taught, there was a buddy of mine over in West, uh, West Virginia, uh, buddy of mine, Jeremy Myers, and, um, he was doing a lot of work with ScentLock and stuff at the time. And, and I approached him, he was, he was one of the, the Botech ambassadors back in the day when they had like a, they had a team and I talked to him and he said, well, I can teach you a little bit of stuff. You know, um, about Lightroom and editing and whatnot. And uh, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. But, you know, again, having that landscape background, my degree being in horticulture, I used to own a landscape company as well. Um, it was called uh, TerraScapes, but we did all high end landscape install. So the idea of being a landscape designer is, excuse me, I need to visualize what it's going to look like. You know, I gotta draw it on paper, but know what it's gonna look like when it's actually planted in a 3D situation. So I think that helps a lot, having that visualization to know what the shot's gonna look like. And, um, you know, I dove in, started doing photos, and you know, and that was the big difference between Todd and I, is I was going into more photo short film, and he's like, dude, photos is not where it's at. You're wasting your time. We We just gotta kill big deer on video, and the show will explode. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's all about the big deer all the time, you know, because not everybody has access to Iowa and Kansas and, you know, stuff like that. So I was like, I think I want to do more with photos and like tell that story. And I'm a firm believer a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so I, kind of dove into that and, and I mean, very self-taught, I never went to anybody's classes um, I didn't even know if I would know how to teach somebody how to do it because for me it was kind of duck to water. I mean, I just grabbed one and, and took it. a million shutter clicks and people started liking my stuff. And um now it's been amazing to see where things have gone with it. I mean, I've been the personal portrait photographer for the Cabela's family. Um I've got a shoot coming up with sea arc boats. I've been to Alberta, British Columbia. Uh, a ton of different outfitters. You know, I've been been able to go all over the country doing photo work for, you know, for Sitka and Grizzly and Prime and Luminoc and Ozonics, and it's just been cool. Well, if you ever
0: have to do any for Diamondback, I see the the image. I mean, they're three minutes up the road. Yeah,
2: right in our hometown. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a funny deal was I, I remember sitting in my house one night and I get an, a, an IG message from the diamondback truck cover account. I guess this was three years ago, something like that. And, um, somebody says, Hey, really love your photography. And I'm like, Oh, this is one of those bot like auto responses, whatever, you know? And they were like, I was like, Oh, thanks. And they said, Hey, would you have any interest in doing any work with us? if so, when's a good time to call? And I was like, now (laughs) this is 1130 at night, right? Now people that know me that that's mid second wind for me, you know? (laughs) And, uh, I was like, yeah, now, and I looked over my wife and I was like, yeah, let's see if they really call phone rings. Hey, this is diamondback truck covers. (laughs) So that's how that relationship started. That's And, um, yeah, and now you know being on retainer. Um, I'm actually. I think there's only two of us that are actually on retainer to do photography for Diamondback. So uh, that that's been huge. And you know, Grizzly Coolers, um, it's cool. And, and you know, I've coined the phrase: people first, product second, but they both better be fucking awesome. Yeah. And and I'll never change from that. Um, the people have to be as good if not better than their product um because at the end of the day like that's what it comes down to right
0: that's who you're dealing with that's who you're representing to to us exactly
1: yeah exactly and there's gonna people are gonna people that follow me closely are going to see a change in one of my brands and it's because the people yeah the people the people screwed up
0: yeah Awesome. And
1: I, I have to stick to my guns on that, you know, and, and my beliefs and, and what I stand for, um, as a man, um, as a former law enforcement officer. So it is what it is. Yeah.
2: Well, I have one more question for you, John. Now, uh, going, going back about talking about, uh, video and, and producing filmed hunts, you know, the first thing growing up, the transition, you know, it started off with trying to get hunts on the outdoor channel sportsman's Channel as well, and now the big revenue, uh, the avenue is YouTube. You know, can you yeah. talk about? You were there for the the beginning of that, and then now transitioning into the YouTube sensation. Yep. Can you talk about maybe someone that's trying to start into the hunting industry, film and hunts of how they can go about that and and utilize maybe YouTube instead of you know trying to get a show on TV?
1: For sure, you know, in reality. YouTube is in its second life right now. Um, YouTube was huge, like 2013, and then it completely died, like died, died, to where we were at White Knuckle, our YouTube channel sucked, and we were just putting all of our shows out on Facebook, and we were getting 80, 90,000 views of our episodes, completely unboosted, we we weren't paying a dime. (laughs) And, um, then in like 2016 started seeing a a kind of a rebirth of YouTube and it was gaining a lot of traction. So for us, we were like, ah, crap, you know, we should have kept doing YouTube all along, but we kind of took our foot off the gas pedal for a little while myself. I went all carbon TV. And I was doing everything exclusive through Carbon TV, and Carbon TV is a great network. Um, hopefully, by the time this this airs, I will have won a couple of awards with Carbon TV this year. But um, I didn't want to just do Carbon, and I went back to putting my stuff, you know, personally on on YouTube. So YouTube is very unique uh, because it is so big. Uh, there are videos that do very well that shocks me. The coolest thing about YouTube is the low cost of entry. You get a $400 video camera, you can start putting out content on YouTube and it costs you nothing. So the cost of entry is great. Uh, and I encourage everybody, to do it, you know what I mean? And it's a good start because you also get to learn the process of editing and trying to keep with the schedule. And if it's not for you, hey, you're not out much. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I got a $400 camera. I can video stupid stuff around the house now. But um, I think that's the key is just to put content out there. The best way to be consistent and to gain traction is be consistent with YouTube. Like that's the one algorithm that I don't think will ever change is you need to have something going on there every couple weeks
0: yeah that's something too that i know we had a discussion that we need to do a better job at just because um you know we have the content in a sense for video uh but like you know even the other day where i'm waiting to to get together where we could go ahead and and just check some trail cameras or put out some extra ones and just kind of show what we're doing here in central pennsylvania to get ready um yeah you know just even if it's a seven minute video uh like just just to put it out and uh so that's that's the thing that i know we need to do better now that i have a better camera i'm i'm hoping to 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 do that more
1: for sure yeah no be consistent with your stuff um you know add some facebook and social media links try to direct them back to your youtube channel um my youtube channel is monetized we'll see you know we'll see where it goes um but the biggest thing for me and I have to point out is bourbon barrel calls. And like I said before, I like to use analogies for a lot of things to explain things and me being a kind of a gearhead, uh, a a motor engine guy, think of a V8 engine. If you only do YouTube and maybe you have a Facebook page, you're a two cylinder. Well, that's a lawnmower motor. You know what I mean? You're not breaking any land speed records with a lawnmower but if you have carbon TV, you have YouTube, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have arrow, wild TV, you have bourbon barrel calls, you do short films, you do photography. Now I got a V8 and you just have to make sure all those cylinders are firing off of each other. And that helps.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's extremely helpful. Even just heck for, for us. So, you know, for, Thank you for for sharing that. Just even on yeah. our front, and just for other individuals getting
1: into it. Um, so yeah, make make those other pages work for you. Right. Be individual and make make all of those brands stand on their own. Because I'm also a firm believer in whatever fire is burning the highest, pour more gasoline on that one. Just make sure that they work with each other, and that's why you see Johnny Utah Creative tags in an Arrow Wild photo every once in a while that's why arrow wild TV promotes bourbon barrel calls. Well, heck yeah. Right. It's a sponsor 30, 40% of the people that follow me even know that I even own bourbon barrel calls. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Which is fine. You know uh, it is what it is. But um, if you got your stuff in front of a million people, and this is why I encourage everybody to do as many social media outlets as you can TikTok, and not to sound like Gary Vee, But like TikTok and LinkedIn and Carbon TV and YouTube, do as many as you can. The reason for that is, well, actually, we'll start it off with a question. Do you think that if you met 10 people, randoms, okay, do you think that at least one person out of that 10 would like you? At least one of them. (laughs) Okay. So let's put Antler up in front of a million people. I'll take a hundred thousand people, right? If I had a hundred thousand followers on my shit, I'm crushing it. Yeah. So I need to go get in front of a million people. Cause I know at least 10% of the people that meet me are going to think that I'm an okay person enough to follow. Yeah. There you go.
2: Well, I also think too, which is a, great advice that you just gave is you know having different qualities the different doing different things uh with your brand just because too talking about sponsorships and companies you know if you just stick to photography or videos you know well they probably have a lot of people doing that but if you have different aspects that you're doing you know you might help a company out with a, but with another company, B, what you're doing, you know, so you're very versatile with, with different companies and, and, you know, you can kind of figure out what they need help with. And that's going to be kind of you're in with, with those companies instead of just trying to focus all your attention on one thing.
1: 100%. Here's, here's kind of a short story that to me summarizes everything that we're talking about and exactly what you just said. So I used to drive dirt late model stock cars. Um, did that professionally for about three years. And one of my really, really good friends, a guy by the name of Mike Marler, um, he is one of the national guys. He, he runs the world of outlaw Lucas oil series and he makes big money, you know? And, uh, anyways, Mikey, uh, I went to go watch him race one night and he had just won the Knoxville nationals, which is a very, very prestigious race. He had won it for the second year back to back. Nobody had ever done that before, you know? So this puts him into the category of badasses, right? And just him and I are are inside his big toter home, you know, and we're hanging out and he's like, bro, like it's finally starting to sink in. Like I just won this thing, you you know, two years in a row. And I'm like, you know, I didn't think you were gonna do it because you were setting your car up to run the high side of the racetrack. And nobody was running the high side of the racetrack that night. And I'm like, why, why, like, why did you do that? You know what I mean? Like that the safe play would have been to set it up for the bottom. And he said, well, here's the deal. He was starting a little bit back in the field, right? So he's going to have to pass some cars to win. To be able to pass somebody, to pull alongside them, pass them and have enough momentum to get in front of them. I need to be about three tenths of a second faster than everybody else. But if I set my car up for the outside where nobody is, I just have to be .01 seconds faster than they are. And over the course of a hundred laps, I'll be in the lead and I'll win the race. And everything that he said, I'm like, oh my God, like light bulb, you know, went off and I went, Go where the competition isn't. Simple. And so, I'm like, this is the greatest analogy for making all of this make sense to me. Go where they're not. Bourbon barrel calls launches in the middle of the white tail rut. I got into photography before other people were doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I
2: think the real question is is there anything that you haven't done yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so my wife and I we talk about this all the time and she says, you know, sometimes you probably have to talk about your life experiences in small doses because people are going to be like, all right, we got to fact check this shit. Like is this guy making it up. You can fact check it all, man. I that's amazing. You got one life yeah. and work more hours. Yeah. If there's something I want to do, I'll just sleep less and do what I want to do. And um, uh, yeah, driving race cars, Shoot them up, taking people to jail. Whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude, man, I can relate. Honestly, I mean, I'm I'm 33 years old, and at one point in my time in my life, I I have two degrees. One and Uh I changed. I'm a school teacher now. I teach health and phys ed. And uh, man, before I finally got a full time teacher contract, my wife and I we actually went out to Ohio the other last week for our anniversary, just to, to a getaway cabin and. We're talking just about where we are right now. We're we're married eight years, and she goes, "Do you realize at one point in time?" She goes, "You had five jobs going off at the same time before you got your teacher teaching job." She's like, "When did you sleep?" I'm like, "I didn't," you know. And we didn't have a like my my daughter now is six, but at the time it was right before. Man, it was actually like my wife was pregnant at the time, and then Uh when when she got when when Nora came, uh, the teaching job like came up and I was like, listen, it's do or die. Like it is, it's either mine yeah. or, 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 I'm dying going down with it. And luckily I yeah. got it and you know, the rest is history, but
1: man, dude, I can relate. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I've put this information out there. Um, there was a point in time where I was really worried about self-image. Um Not that I've ever felt the need to be fake, mm. but you know, I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pretend that I owned a Ferrari, but at the same time, I didn't want to tell people about failures. Social media, in my eyes, it allows you to be more relatable if you choose to go that route. And I was like, well, this is real shit. You know, like this is as real as it gets. Um, I'm looking at my watch. Uh, Five, 17 months ago, I had $7 to my name at seven bucks and no new money coming in no savings account. Um, I had just listed my farm and my house in Iowa to sell quickly before I foreclosed. Right. And, you know, was the mature thing to do to say, damn, I just had the rug pulled out from underneath me. And it wasn't a bad ride because I chose that ride. I just came up snake eyes. You know what I mean? Like it happens. If you're a gambler and you're an entrepreneur and you're a risk taker, you're not going to win them all. Right. I mean, yeah. that's for damn sure. Um, and I got caught, got caught in a bad situation. It was a perfect storm. Um, and, and I, and I, you know, I got myself in a, in a jam. So was the smart play to be like, all right, screw it. I had to go back and get a day job. Like, you know, living in Southeast Iowa, the best paying job is probably working at the fertilizer plant, you know, like, damn, this is, this is about to get real. And I put out a Facebook message and said, I put it on my personal, personal page, which I don't post that much on my personal page, but I put it out there and said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm going freelance, you know, photography. Um, if anybody's needing any photos, you know, give me a call. And I got a call and then I got another call and then somebody beeped in on that call. It was (laughs) was amazing. You know? And I'm like, Holy crap. And everybody's like, look, we know you did photography and we know you did photos for all those brands, but we thought that you were exclusive to those brands via your show. We didn't know that you would do photos for anybody. I'm like, I'll take Tinder profile pics. for." (laughs) I was like, I "I got a wife and three kids, man. I was like, I got to put some food on the table. Like literally, you know, And um, so that's how it all started. So, I mean, not going into details, um, but I have more than $7 in my account now, and it it can happen, it can happen very, very quickly. Um, But it's because of those relationships, not dicking people over, being a solid person in the industry, not poaching, um, doing everything that you said you were gonna do and beyond um and having a strong work ethic all of those things came back together and you know there was a buddy of mine uh billy c he lives here in iowa and billy's he's filmed me from time to time and he asked me the other day he said i was just curious like does it ever get uncomfortable like what just walking around and I'm like, what, like, what are you talking about? You know, he's like, well, you, you have that horseshoe. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> if, is it all the way up there or is it just kind of barely inside? You know? but <laughs> He's like, you've got a horseshoe up your ass and, and, and I laugh. And I know he, I know he was making a funny, but deep down, I look at it and say, is it luck? Right. You know, if you consistently, bust your ass and you work your ass off and you eat shit for years while you're building things, when good things happen to you, is it luck? I don't feel that it's deserved. I just, I feel that it's earned. Yeah. Um, so that's, it. but I, I, like I said, not to take away from his joke cause we laughed until we had tears running down our face mm. and it was funny. Um, I'm like, no, it does get uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Those long hikes, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I gotta man. make an adjustment every once in a while.
0: And last but not least, let's take thank our partners over at Stokerize Stabilizers. I have the brand new M100 SS1 14.5-inch stabilizer. And man, what an, an amazing piece of equipment this is. This new stabilizer is brand new from Stokerize. It is a carbon fiber micro diameter. Uh, it's the stiffest carbon that eliminates the slightest vibration. And my bow is so balanced with the tight spot on the other side. And now this uh, brand new SS1 Stokerize stabilizer stabilizer running that um man i'm not only am I impressed with the product but the customer service sean is a great guy that's who i've dealt with uh, uh, as well so if, take a look for yourself for what i'm talking about over at stokerize.com <laughs> well dude it's a total inspiration it truly is i mean just even from where we are sitting and uh you know man I, like i said i'm a school teacher dimitri's a physical therapist we just love talking hunting we love meeting people we love just going out there and and filming our hunts and uh yeah you know just doing it so it's not you know i'm not in your position where i'm trying to put money or food on the table but it's a uh-huh. but man i just we just love it just at 365 days a year i mean we're constantly deer, turkey, bear. It doesn't matter, man. Like we're talking about this. I'll talk to my dad. And um, so it is, it's a true inspiration coming from, from, from that end, man.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And, and, and what people don't realize is I, that is my fuel. Yeah. You know, little victories, seeing a product that I launched hit a story. Yeah. That's a victory. Seeing a photo in a magazine that I took, that's a victory hearing compliments or even, you know, I had a guy send me a message one day and I, and he had just watched my short film work more hours. And he goes, you know what? For the next 30 days, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to bust my ass. I'm not going to let anything bother me at the end of the month. His boss, he was a welder. His boss came out to the shop floor and and slid him five crisp, $100 bills. And he's like, what's this for? And he goes, I don't know what's gotten into you the last 30 days, but you keep this up. I'll give you a $500 bonus at the end of every single month. And the guy goes, dude, I kind of feel like I need to give 250 of it to you. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 you keep, you keep that full 500. You earned it. If I was the catalyst that helped you earn it, then that's my thank you. But you earn the money and keep kicking ass, man. And so that's what I, I just, I truly feel like people have so much more potential that they're not doing. People get lax, they get lazy, they get comfortable, they go with the flow, they do what everybody else is doing. And like, screw that, you know, like, don't be a a follower, like be a trendsetter, you know? And when I see somebody copy one of my photo styles or something like that, I'm like, Hell yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's why I added the hashtag. Uh, it will get copied. Yeah. Oh, that's Uh, that's that's, awesome. Yeah. That's that's Instagram. Cause I, and I think it's funny, you know, and actually I have some PA buddies of mine that live out in your state. Um, they're, they're detectives. They'll send me a photo. They're like, "Oh, somebody copied another Johnny Utah photo, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny to me, but, um, I think I I love, I love this industry and I'm truly at a point in life where I wake up every day and I actually get mad that I didn't wake up sooner. Cause I just, I enjoy the shit out of life right now. I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying networking with people. I'm enjoying hunting, trying to develop new products. Um, this, it's fun for me. And if somebody takes the time to send me a message, there will never, ever, ever be a person ever that said I sent him a message and he didn't respond back to me except for the ones. Hello. I like meet you looking for marriage or, you know, <laughs> yeah, those ones. Yeah, when I, when I get those, I don't respond to those. But other than that, I've never not responded to a single message ever on social media. Um, and it it's getting tougher and tougher <laughs> to keep up with them sometimes now, but Hey, somebody took the time and they dig what I'm doing. I'm like, hell yeah. What are you up to? Yeah.
0: Dude, man, I have. We had again. It's it's we're we're tiny sample size compared to you, but I mean, we had a couple people reach out to us and just talk about some things, and it's like again, uh, you know, if I'm with my wife and daughter, I'm like, I apologize, but hey, somebody's actually contacted me, and you know, just give me a couple minutes to to talk to them, and they're cool with it. You know what I mean? Because you know, again, this is all what we're building and uh, what we're representing. So, and it's just it's so neat to see that, and like you said, it's just uh, even if they just want to talk, like deer or talk about the, you know, the Johnny Utah, you know, yeah. creative, whatever episode. And it's just like, sure. Awesome. They're like, you know, we get, we've gotten questions about some of our guests. I'm like, they're awesome. And you know, they're fun or whatever. So it's just even uh-huh. little things like that, man. It's, it's cool to, to do that.
1: Yeah. No, it, it is. It's so much fun. And, and here's the thing for me, I don't look at it as a job. It's just life. Yeah, It's the life that I I'm living, you know, right now. And um, that makes it a little easier sometimes like when you're trying to eat dinner and yeah. you know somebody, something's blowing up but um, it's just it's just life. I mean like I said I genuinely love the shit out of all of this. I think it's great. I'm flattered whenever somebody's like hey you want to come on the podcast? I'm like yeah you want to do it right now? <laughs> yeah, <good."> you know. <laughs> I'm all excited. I'm like somebody actually wants to talk to me. That's awesome man. Well dude that that's just amazing in, the, in that side of
0: things and you know let's try to let like, we have all night but let's talk yeah. about you know deer hunting. Um, you, you know that's the cool. bread and butter for, for you. And, uh, you yeah. know, obviously you're coming off the grand grand slam for Turkey, but man, yeah. uh, I know you're a very successful, uh, whitetail hunter. So, you know, what right now are you doing to prepare for this upcoming season? I mean, like right now here in July.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to stay out of the woods because I hate sugars and I cannot stand this humidity in Iowa <laughs> right now. Um, I've got some cameras soaking right now on some mineral sites, And I just got back in town from Kentucky. I went down there this weekend, scouted some ground that I'm going to be hunting uh, their season opener down there, velvet season and set a couple of cell cams out there. And I've already got this like absolute freak that showed up. I saw that one on social media. (laughs) Jeez Louise. I don't know what he's like something straight from like Chernobyl or something, but, (laughs) um, but he's pretty, pretty cool buck. Um, yeah, my Exodus cams actually just, I just got a whole nother catalog of photos, but, um, I'm looking at a lot of topos. Um, every two weeks I mow my clover plot, keeping it nice and cushy. I did go hang some new stands two two weeks ago. No. Yeah. Two weeks ago I hung some new sets, some new permanent sets. Um, I try to get as much of that stuff out of the way as I can. And, um, now, I will keep my run and gun stuff. You know, I, I've, I'll i keep two or three sets um, ready to go. Okay. Should I get some new intel somewhere, something pops up or there's a scrape that that's just getting hammered uh, or during the rut, I start seeing some, seeing some day walkers. And if I'm seeing that day walker there and I don't have a stand, it's time to put a stand real quick. But yeah, this time of year, it's um, like I said, I'd really just try to stay out of the woods a little bit. And after my work's done and fortunately this year I'm ahead of the game for once fellas. (laughs) Uh, Normally I'm that guy that's hanging stands all the way through end of August. But, um, I got, I got a lot of my stuff up early this year and and I I went out and retrimmed out all my shooting lanes, just a lot of that prep stuff. I don't mind sweating up in the woods right now. Um, but I try to get it all in get it out of the way. And, for me this year, another reason why I'm probably so ahead of the game for me personally is August. I mean, I my season starts already, you know, in August. So, um, I won't be bear hunting this year, uh, this August, because the border is still being closed. But uh, I'll start off my first hunt in, uh, in Montana. Oh, nice. And then I go straight from Montana. Then I go to Kentucky for velvet. And then from there to Idaho. Um, so knowing that i've got all all of those hunts going on before i you know the iowa whitetail season even starts I know that's time I'm not going to be able to make changes, so I'm just trying to get that stuff done now, right? Yeah.
2: Yep. Now, can you talk a little bit about your strategy, talking from hunting, you know, whitetails in the early season, and how that transitions into the rut? You know, what yep. are you doing differently as the time moves on? And then also, kind of explain what you're hunting. Is it private? Is it public? Is, does it get a lot of hunting pressure? And is that why you're making these changes as well?
1: yep so in iowa you know our season doesn't start till october 1st Mm -hmm. so you miss that early patternable stuff you know i always say it's kind of like somebody went in and stirred up a hornet's nest (laughs) and you got to wait for them to settle back down again right um i will see a correlation with some of my deer i'll see a little bit of a correlation as to where they're at in july then i might see those deer again in november um i'm a firm believer sometimes it can be very, very tough to have a deer on camera, July, August, September and November and December. Like that's, that's just tough. Yeah. It happens, but it doesn't happen all the time. Um, my early season strategy, the hotter it is, we'll we'll say Kentucky since their season starts September 5th, I go to alfalfa field edges. Um, and I, and if I'm going to be in the timber, then I go low, I go real low and I try to get to creeks as much as I can. Not so much like big creeks, like little streams that are just holding a little bit of water, but it's so much cooler down there. So theoretically, like I might catch that buck at 5 PM in that Creek. Um, whereas I might catch other deer at 7 PM on that shaded side where the sun's starting to set, you know, on an alfalfa field. Right. I love alfalfa early season. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, and clover clover and alfalfa but if i had the choice alfalfa for me on my private alfalfa is a little harder maintained because i don't have the equipment you know needed to kind of really really keep alfalfa nice but uh clover i can manage you know with with a zero turn mower and stuff like that but um as we start transitioning through the season and those scrapes start to open up that's when In theory, in Iowa, I hunt from the outside in. I don't dive into the timber really deep. We have a lot of fingers of timber. Um, Very few places can I get deep other than public. Public, I can get real deep. And I don't have a lot of hunting pressure. I have more pressure on my private pieces than I do my public pieces. Wherever the deer are is, is where I'm gonna go. This year, I will say Iowa, first several days of the season, October one, two, three, four, I'm going to hit my clover plot. I'm getting a lot of activity right now and I'll stick to that pretty close. And it's going to be just hunting that last hour and a half. That's all I'm looking to do. Um, early season, I don't even mess with anything in the morning. Then if we start getting cold fronts in October, I will drive through a barricade to get to the woods on a cold front in October. Yeah. I don't care what's in my way. Now- I'm missing dance recitals, birthday parties. I don't care. <laughs> now, for those that, that, that cold
0: front, when that rolls in, are you even going, like, do you break that rule where you might, if it's October 15th, you know, it's that yep. middle of the month, will you hunt in the morning?
1: Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Especially if, if that cold front is rolling in throughout the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to get on the front side of it and I'll hunt that morning. Um, I might not hit my primo spot that morning, mm-hmm. but I will go sit that morning if nothing else to do a little bit more observation. But that evening I'm going to where I think he's going to pop out early. Um, 100% and and it's every year it's happened. Um, 2017, I had just a slight wind change at full draw. I was can't even say I was a half second away from punching the trigger. It was a 176, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what happened. I'm like, how did he win me? How did he win me? And we watched it back on camera and you see a leaf overhead that was blowing to me and I come to full draw and then it starts blowing to him wow and he literally just picked his head up and started walking backwards (laughs) and I'm like no 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 no, come back come back right now building shotgun season now with those
2: cold fronts are you sticking to the field edges even though it's early season or you may dive deeper into the timber if you know they're moving
1: I I so when I say field edges Um, I can shoot the field edge, but I also, I I love that 20 yards inside the timber. Um, because even though it might be a cold front, I see it still, because it is early season, those I've seen big bucks just stand out there for like an hour, 20 yards inside the timber and just wait like a statue and just wait, wait, once it starts getting dark, then they come in and at that point you're past your shooting light and, you know, and you can't legally, you can't do it. Right. So, um, I'll usually pick those sets that are where I still have a staging area that I can, I can get to, um, you know, in Kentucky, just because Kentucky is so hayfield and acorn driven, I hunted a lot deeper in Kentucky than I do in Iowa because Iowa is so ag driven. I hunt a lot more field edges now than I ever, ever would have dreamed of in Kentucky. Um, and I have buddies that are like, why don't you get deeper in the timber? You need to get deeper in the timber. And uh, though that's when I take my stabs. Yeah. I do my running gun sets deep into the timber, into the pockets, try to get in close to a bedding area. Um, and, you know, I have a 120 acre lease. If I burn that property, I've burned it for the, you know, maybe the whole season. Um, so if I had thousands of acres, I might take more calculated risk than I do, but only have hundred twenty acres. that's all i have i have 120 acres of private and everything else that i hunt in iowa's public right so i kind of tiptoe it a little bit now here's a question for
0: you john just because i know like you said you're hunting public you're hunting private you know have you found any reoccurring attribute or pattern uh to find you know these mature mature deer uh to, that you're hunting after and if so like what has that been
1: Um, it's that 20, 30 yards inside the timber (laughs) where a big buck can scent check that open field and never actually have to walk into the big field. Uh, another thing that I like to key on, on aerials, not so much. Topos is uh, looking for those hourglasses Mm -hmm. and people say, look for the hourglass saddles on topo lines. What about the hourglass shaped fields? And those big bucks will cross those narrow points from timber to timber. Right. Um, I love keying in on those places as well. Right.
0: Now uh, that's really good stuff. Now you talked about going on different, different hunts during the year. And this is actually going to be probably for me personally, the biggest year where I'm hunting multiple States uh, or mm-hmm. poss- hopefully <laughs> if everything kind of goes to goes according to plan, how do yeah. you go about making that uh like the most out of all those hunts you know obviously you're you're going out you're giving 110% on on you know for each opportunity that you get but how do yeah. you go about that and you know whether you come home punching a tag or not um how do you kind of either mentally or physically uh take advantage of of those you might only have that one weekend
1: yeah then like you said go as hard as you can yeah you have no choice if if you've only got 2 or 3 days in an area that's when you get stupid aggressive. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I either wanna get in there and get him killed or I wanna push him out of there. One way or another, I know that I found him and I can at least walk away with that. Yeah. But um, I every year I say that I'm going to get back to being more aggressive. I used to be stupid aggressive, <laughs> I mean, dumb aggressive. And, and that came from, I remember one time I knew where a big buck was bedded at and I knew where he, when he got up from his midday bed, where he started to move and what creeks, and where he was going to go and look for acorns and everything else. And I remember telling Todd this one time and Todd goes, why he dead? And I'm like, well, I mean, I mean, I I just, I don't know the best way to get in there. He's like, like, if you know where he's bedded at, like just go kill him. I went uh, well okay so the next day i went in hung a set and killed him <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah and i'm like wow that was easy um but i've also done that and and bumped a big deer you know the first year i moved to iowa there was a buck i called the fire buck we're estimating that he was 190 195 as a mainframe eight with just a bunch of kickers it looked like flames you know coming off of his antlers. And I had him on five different trail cameras. So I knew where he was at. You know what I mean? Like I I knew where he was at. I knew his core area and, um, I got stupid aggressive and I, I really thought I could kill him in the morning, late October. I made it to my stand, got my bow pulled up, got my backpack pulled up. I was reaching my backpack in the dark, you know, being quiet, but fumbling around, getting my Ozonics and, you know, getting my stuff set up. And then I heard, uh, the most awful sound that every hunter like never wants to hear. And it sounded like all the air came out of a Clydesdale and the following hooves just beating the ground. And I'm like, that's a 300 pound buck. And I know it, I know it with all my heart. Um, and that was it. Never saw him again. No one's ever killed him. Wow. No idea. Yeah. And I'm like, that was my one shot. But <laughs> the thing that kept me from throwing up was I at least swung. Yeah, yep. I didn't get struck out standing in the batter's box and watching balls go past me. I shot my shot, and it it didn't work for me. Uh, but I learned: be careful hunting mornings. Yep. Unless you really, really know you can get in there and do it.
2: Now. What question I have for you. you you have a lot of success shooting big mature bucks now a lot of people can go out there and shoot pretty decent bucks what would you tell someone or any tip that you have to really get over that hump, to kill good bucks, to go to shooting big, mature bucks, especially, you know, maybe for us and our listeners that are hunting maybe more pressured public land and don't have that opportunity to kind of wait into the rut or, you know, kind of push, uh, deeper in as the season goes on, just because we may have only a few weekends here and there having normal jobs, but how do we really break over that hump, um, to kill some bigger deer,
1: three things. Number one, you can't kill something that doesn't live there. So if you're in an area where big bucks don't live, you can't beat yourself up over it, you know, you're not going to kill a big buck if a big buck doesn't live there, number two, killing a mature deer, hunting a mature deer. You have to hunt him like a mature deer. He's not a two or a three year old. They're, they're two, they're almost two totally different species in how they act. Number three, move. That's what I did. I moved to Iowa. <laughs> so, and I say that like there are big bucks in Kentucky, but the area that I was living in, I, I was not going to be able to afford to lease up the ground or buy the ground where I felt I could consistently chase mature deer, but Iowa was a place that I felt like even on public land, I would have a shot at chasing mature deer. So I moved. Um, and that's what I did. I wasn't willing to hunt in Iowa once every four years. Right now, if that's not an option, okay, cool. Again, go see, see response one and two. You can't kill a big buck if a big buck doesn't live there. If your neighbor or yourself, are shooting 100 inch bucks, I can guarantee that buck's never going to hit 110 or 120 or 130. You know, yep. um, I say every year I'm going to target a mature deer. I'll tell you right now, 180 with spots mm-hmm. walks past me, I'm putting an arrow in it, <laughs> yeah, every time, yeah, every day of the week. Um, I'll never shoot a 180 if a 160 walks past me first, not happening i don't have that kind of manageable ground you know what i mean right you know for that so somebody says well if you shoot it then that's a guaranteed way he's never going to make it another year i got about 20 hunters that hunt all around me on private farms they're all farmers so they're done farming at this point in the year yeah they sit every single day (laughs) and i and i you know you people say well you know you can't think of it that way yeah you can Right, you know, it's a mature deer. I'm shooting every mature deer I see. Yeah, you know, hands down. But you have to hunt mature deer differently. They will not tolerate the pressure. They will win the staring contest. Um, they will win the game of who can play statue longer. Right. Um, the thing that you really have to key on is I encourage everybody to think of other hunters as coyotes. A deer is gonna stay away from a coyote. He's gonna stay away from another hunter. You know, be upwind, or if you're downwind, know that he's gonna steer clear of that downwind and get to the side. When it comes to playing the wind on mature deer, try to position yourself in a way that, uh, we call it slicing the pie. This is what we refer to when we're doing building entries or clearing a house or something, you know, when I was working I come through a doorway and I just slowly, an inching, inching, inching around the corner and I can see little a little pie, a little bit more of a pie, a little bit more of a pie. Well, we all know that our scent cone is shaped like a triangle, kind of shaped like a pie piece, a pie slice. Try to get right on that edge where it's slightly advantage to you and slightly an advantage to him. And I do, I strongly endorse companies like Ozonics or running some kind of an ozone generator. Um, are they foolproof? No, nothing's foolproof, but couldn't it give me that extra second or two seconds to come to full draw and release an arrow before I'm busted. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those edges where it's just barely advantageous for me. Um, and study deer, you know, that's the other thing that I, you know, admittedly only it's in the last couple of years that I feel very comfortable at vocalizing with deer. And I've documented it on the last, uh, the last two bucks that I've killed on video is grunting at deer and turning deer and getting them yeah, to come in. Yeah, that one,
0: man, that one that shoot. you had across like two hundred yards on that field and just came on a frigging line 400 yards, four hundred yards. There we go. Yeah, let me get it right. Um, yeah. I mean, he came sprinting in. You know.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and that was that was crazy. Like I said, studying the deer, knowing the time of the year knowing the characteristics, you know, you go to the stand and you see deer starting to pin their ears back when another bucks walks into the field. Okay. He's feeling froggy today, right? You know, that's a deer that's callable, you know? Um, but like I said, I, I wanted to chase mature deer. I wanted to have a shot at, you know, a different age class of deer. So, I went to a place where there's more deer than humans.
0: Just uh, quickly, you talked about Montana. I know you you did that little uh, shed series yeah. video. You'll be going out for elk this year, right?
1: Uh, in Idaho, Idaho. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. So my Montana antelope and then Idaho elk. That's right.
0: Okay, so yep. tell us, you know what what does twenty twenty uh, have in store for you then?
1: Yeah. um, This year was one of those years where everything kind of fell into place. I knew that I wanted to go back out for, for antelope. Um, It's been, been a couple of years since I've been out there. The last time I was out there, I actually shot a Boone and Crockett antelope on public land out there. Uh, That was a sweet 72 yard shot. So um, I'm not trying to break any more records, but I just love the country, you know? And, um, and, you know, I've never chased records. Like, that, that antelope was dead for seven days before I even knew that it was a Booner goat. I had I had no clue. That's crazy. I didn't score him because he doesn't have a very wide inside spread. And then a buddy of mine was like, hey, bro, that's actually not even a measurement on antelope. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I had no clue. But um, uh, going back out to Montana, I've got the same spot. Um, I see you wearing an Onyx shirt. Yep one of the things that I do with my on X is I actually run the little SD card mm-hmm. and nobody does this. So on X, if you're listening, if anybody's listening, tell on X, they need to do this with the mini SD card. You go to a pawn shop and you get those like $30 old school Garmin, Nuvi GPS units. You plug the SD card for that state in the Garmin Nuvi. voila, all of your public land colors are mounted right on your dash name of the game with antelope is drive time. The more miles you put on, the more goats you're going to find. So you're driving down the road and you're like, yep, eh, everybody get their binos ready. In about a half mile, we got a big chunk of state land coming up or BLM or whatever. And you're not, way. Well, you're not staring at your phone. It's right on the dash, right? Like it is money. That's a good tip. M- money, yeah. money, money, money. Um, so uh, I've got like a 33 mile route. And what I do is I start I go down one way, turn around, go back the same 33 miles, turn around, go back the same 33 miles. Antelope chasing is all on is the percentage go on high percentage stocks. If there's a goat 200, 200, yards away from where you can park and there's nothing, no obstructions to hide behind or no coolies or nothing ditches to go get into and stalk up on, you ain't going to kill him. I don't care how ninja you think you are, <laughs> he's gonna let you get to a hundred yards and then he's gonna start running at 55 miles an hour <laughs> into the next county and, and it's over. So don't burn yourself out on low percentage stocks is my big tip there. Um, I'll go straight from Southeast Montana. I'll drive straight to central Kentucky and I'll chase velvet whitetails there with my good friends, uh, whitetail heaven outfitters. They're really, really good friends of mine and they'll open up some private ground to me. I don't get a guide or any of that kind of shit. But yeah. <laughs> they give me a trust, free trespass fee, you know, to go out there and chase some stuff, but they do a good job managing deer out there on some big pieces. So I'm going to go hunt with those guys. Um, I then get to come home for about a week, recharge the batteries, dump photos and video, send them off to my editor, which my editor, Wade James lives in Johnstown PA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ad Live Collective. Yep. Um, that uh, He's another guy. I encourage everybody to follow Wade James. He makes me want to be a better person. He's awesome. just, he's a class act of a guy. Um, so I'll send everything to him and then Idaho elk, um, permitting, I can get a leftover tag. Idaho sold like 2000 tags overnight. They've never sold out ever, but this year they sold out quick. I don't know what happened, but, um, I feel pretty comfortable that I'll be able to get one. If not, Uh, I'm probably going to head out to Colorado and just over the counter. I've kept that 10 day block open. I'm chasing elk somewhere. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going to go yet, but it's looking like probably Idaho. If I do the Idaho trip, that'll be with crispy boots, uh, with my buddy, Justin over there at crispy and then, um, come home immediately. It'll be October 1st. I'll start chasing whitetails in Iowa. So in Iowa, you get two buck tags every year. You get an early season tag. I call it early season and late season. And everybody says, well, it's season one and season two. I'm like, well, that's kind of early season and late season, but whatever. Uh, I'm not native. So everybody hates me here in Iowa. <laughs> You're an outsider. Yeah. You came here to kill our deer. Well, I didn't come here to steal your all's free crappy Wi-Fi, I assure yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but I'll have my early season tag that'll kick in. I'll chase bucks for a couple of weeks. What I do is I usually hunt pretty hard the first three four days, and if nothing's happening, then I just I'm done, and then I wait for late October cold fronts. Then you can mark it down November third. I'm not coming out of the woods. Yeah. Um, so I'll get a head start on on Iowa whitetails. Um, I put in for the lottery, didn't know that I was going to get it. I drew a dang on Kansas tag this year. <laughs> so, uh, the last week of October, I'm going to give up my late October cold fronts, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm going to go out to Kansas and I'm going to chase whitetails with the guys over at head hangers. Um, they make, you know, the skull yep. European mounts, uh, rack holders, um, I'm going out there to chase, chase whitetails on one of their farms. Um, and then I'll come back home. I'll have the whitetail rut, you know, for Iowa and possibly still have a tag in my hand. Uh, probably so I'll probably have still have a whitetail tag. Um, that's not filled, And, um, then of course I have the second Iowa buck tag, that'll come in after our shotgun season. So, you know, I don't, I don't gun hunt at all. I don't, I don't look down on gun hunting at all. But, uh, but don't be surprised if you see a bonus arrow wild episode this year with hogs and coyotes and (laughs) AR-15s. That's awesome. So that's, that's in the works right now. Um, and it won't be a part of the core 12 episodes, but it'll be like a bonus episode. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun, but, um, that's kind of my season in a nutshell. Once it starts, it's going to be, it's full send until, until, you know, Christmas. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. That sounds like
0: such an amazing year. I mean, just that bonus Kansas tag and everything. That's, that's fantastic.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it should be a lot of fun. It's, uh, my wife's not happy. She wasn't happy about the grand slam deal. (laughs) Um, I came home and she goes, okay, this is kind of getting out of hand. And I'm like, uh, have you looked at my fall calendar? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be like a part-time resident yeah. of the state of Iowa for like three months. That's awesome. But, um, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of miles. Um, and I, I just turned 101,000 miles on a truck that's three years old. So, uh, I'm definitely not, not afraid to Put the on drive, the drive that's yeah, for sure that's awesome man.
0: <laughs> well john thank you so much man for for coming on and, and doing this yeah. episode where could people find you and uh uh you know give you a follow
1: yeah um so the best thing that people can do to find the most of my content is instagram johnny.utah.hunt um, there is a corresponding facebook page to that johnny utah hunt official and arrow wild tv on instagram and facebook um arrow wild tv on youtube please go follow go subscribe watch videos binge watch yourself you watch me um win you you see me fail uh you see how i failed i mean i put it all out there i don't care if i make a mistake i'll tell you why i made a mistake and if i can correct it i'll try to correct it but uh and also bourbon barrel calls um bourbon barrel call bourbon barrel game and then Facebook and Instagram for those outlets. And, and if you just want to watch some cool, see some photos, uh, Johnny, Utah creative. And if anybody's in the market for product development or product marketing launch or anything like that, yeah, hit me up. I'd love to love to help you out. Um, a little sneak, uh, insider information. You learn more when you see what other people are doing. You know, yep. so somebody has a business idea and a strategy, think about what they're trying to do. And, and you actually learn, you know, same hunting. You can learn something from teaching somebody something about hunting, you know, and hearing what they did wrong or what they did right. You just can't be bigger than yourself. And, actually take it to heart and go, on, they're actually doing something better. I never thought of that. Maybe I should try that.
0: You right, know? right. Awesome. Well, everybody, yeah. make sure you please go follow all John's account. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I've been following him for a while. It's great content. Just amazing thank stuff. You. I, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, true inspiration. And I think once you dive into it, you just see how genuine uh, John really is. So thank you, John, for coming on. We appreciate thank it. You. Yeah, all the, all the listeners, make sure you go follow. Until next time, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the antler up podcast. Thank you everyone for listening, John. Thank you for taking the time out to come on and talk to us, man. We really enjoyed this one. I can't wait to run this one back again here in the future. Uh, Good luck on that Montana hunt and uh, man. Thank you, everybody. I can't believe that uh, come next week, we'll be leaving the day after next week's episode airs. Uh, It's been a long time and hopefully now we'll be shutting up about her Utah trip. Other than hopefully we'll be talking about one of us getting success. So, hey, keep practicing, keep checking those trail, trail, cameras and, uh, get everything aligned for this upcoming season. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support till next time.
1: Antler up.